Welcome to the Legacy Investment Team Podcast, Episode 9. What does success mean to each of us? Would I want to give up that relationship with my wife and my kids for this larger number? Or do I desire to have a deeper relationship with the the important people in my life, uh, God, my wife, children? But I think we have to kind of take a step back from what is the material definition that we have grown up with about what success is and and redefine that for ourselves. Hey guys, welcome to the Legacy Investment Team podcast. I'm so excited today to have Marcus Long as our guest for today's podcast. Marcus is a husband, father of two, and a founder of a long legacy capital. His real estate investment firm is dedicated to providing resources and investment opportunities to achieve financial freedom, make an impact, and leave a legacy. And we are so excited to have him on today. Appreciate, Marcus, you taking the time to join us. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. I hope we can uh, inspire someone's journey and uh, provide some education along the way. Absolutely. Give us a little bit of background. Tell us a little bit about your story, uh, your family, and how you got started in investing. Yeah, well, you uh, you captured a couple of the most important ones. You know, I'm a, as you said, I'm a husband, a father of two, I have a, a nine-year-old and a, a six-year-old, and uh, spent a little over 21 years uh, in the military. I just transitioned uh, out of the Navy uh, just about a year ago, and you know, a lot of my real estate uh, investing journey kind of is intertwined with my military career. And so I grew up in uh, in Missouri, and I enlisted in the Navy right out of high school. Um, after a couple of years, I got selected for a, a commissioning program. They sent me uh, back to the University of Missouri, go Tigers. And uh, I, I bought my first three-bedroom, two-bath condo, house hacked it before I knew what house hacking was. And uh, I kept that three-bedroom condo when I left there three years later after I graduated. And I actually still have that, that property today. And so, you know, I was, a, I was a finance major. And when I left you know, the wheels kind of started turning a little bit. You know, I'd seen somebody like pay my mortgage there while I lived there, uh, as well as, you know, my resident paying the mortgage after I, I left. And I wasn't super intentional in real estate uh, early on. I was, I moved to Hawaii. I was deploying on subs and ships. And, you know, so I was pretty busy with my career. Didn't focus a lot uh, about it, but I did start buying some additional properties, you know, every a few years. So I had some like single family uh, properties. I bought a, a cattle farm and I just kind of kept making, you know, little, little steps forward. And about 2016, I partnered with my brothers a little bit. We continued to buy some single family and small multi-use properties uh, around our hometown in Missouri. And eventually my last duty station, I moved to England in 2019 for my final uh, duty station in the Navy. And you're moving overseas. You know, we thought we'd be doing a lot of traveling. This was pre-COVID, uh, and you know, European travel and stuff. And so I started. I didn't. I had joined a, a mastermind with military members. Started getting exposed to some different strategies, and that's when I started kind of passively investing myself, both through short-term private lending, uh, as well as a passive investor on multifamily syndications. And eventually, COVID happened. I ended up being home a lot more. Uh, I was kind of looking at my transition. You know, a couple of years out from the military. And I didn't want to walk into a nine to five or W2. And that's kind of when I started to make my transition from passively investing in syndications into being a, a general partner and moved back here to the to the Kansas City area about a year ago when I left the uh, left the military. That's where I am now. Man, 
it's quite the story from military, Hawaii, England. There's a lot of high points in there, but first and foremost, uh, thank you for your service. I, I just, uh, finished up a book called, uh, turn the ship around. I don't know if you've heard it from David Marquette about, I have, uh, yeah, I've read that one. Great leadership book, but there's so many questions I have. You mentioned being on a submarine. Uh, it was such a cool story. And I, I recommend anyone, if you haven't checked out that book, give it a read. It's probably one of the best leadership books. But if you're into anything military or Navy or submarines, he uses that story throughout the entire line. So make sure you go and check it out. But again, thank you for your service to our country. That's a big deal. Thank you. I appreciate that. So for our uh, audience out there, a lot of them are just getting started in investing and uh, trying to learn where to get started. So talk to us a little bit. I know that you've kind of made that journey where it was like, hey, I'm in the military. I'm looking at making a transition and and not necessarily wanting to go to the nine to five. So what was your thought process around finding those creative ways to find money? I can imagine, you know, being in the military, you're not making the most money in the world and you've got to come up with creative strategies for how you find money to get that ball rolling and investing. And I think for a lot of our first time investors, that's a big challenge for them is where do they start? Um, And you can always kick that ball down the road and say, maybe sometime in the future, I'll have some money to invest. So what are some of those creative ways that you got into finding that initial money to start investing? Yeah. You know, so like going back to the very beginning when I bought the, that condo, you know, that was bought as a personal residence and, you know, I had the VA loan accessible to me and things like that at that point in time. And so I didn't necessarily have to have, a ton of capital in that circumstance to get that property. But as I progressed forward, you know, a number of years, by the time I started buying a few other single families, I kind of looked back and be like, well, I don't have a lot of cash sitting on the sidelines and stuff, but I do have this equity, you know, in, in this condo now, you know, maybe whether it's a refinance or a HELOC or something like that. So I started kind of like thinking through that and that, that line of like thought process probably expanded significantly more as I got closer to, you know, the time of working with my brothers to, to, you know, expand our single family portfolio and certainly even more as I moved to England and started passively investing. And one of the things that helped me uh, brainstorm a little bit through where might I find some, some money or equity to, to be able to invest was when I really started like networking and talking to other people, right? Like sometimes, you know, early on, I was just kind of doing it by myself you know, with my own money, buying a, a single family rental and things. But it wasn't later until I really started like networking, you know, going to a meetup in person first and then virtually later, uh, you know, I joined a, a military mastermind. And when you started like putting yourself in that that network of having conversations, someone else is where you were, you know, you know, they were there five years ago or two years ago or 10 years ago or whatever it is. And so they might've not known where to find capital themselves, right? And so that's when I started hearing people talk about, you know, a self-directed IRA. I'm like, what's a self-directed IRA? Of course I had an IRA. I'm like, what's a self-directed IRA, right? And so just all of these different things. And like, sometimes people are like, well, I don't have any cash, but they've owned, maybe they've had a, their personal residence or maybe they've had an investment property for a number of years and it's built up quite a bit of equity in which they can access that. And so I think a lot of times we get, we think like, I don't have, you know, 25 or 50 or a hundred thousand dollars sitting in my bank account to invest. Uh, but in reality, we have, you know, a lot of us do have money in an IRA or equity in a home and things like that. And so I think to be able to 
to get those kind of balls rolling, you know, the, the thought process, number one is just putting yourself around other people that have maybe done it and they'll say something that clicks and you're like, oh, I, I do have a bunch of equity in this home or I do have an IRA that I could kind of roll over and get some exposure uh, to real estate. So I think that's a, a good first step is just putting yourself around those people that are having those conversations. And, you know, a lot of us, like I said, just because we know about it today doesn't mean we knew about it five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great suggestion. I, I recommend to all the investors that I talk to, don't put your money in something, whether that's money you have on the sidelines or money that you're pulling from a self-directed IRA until you understand something. And it's a great recommendation to say, get in and start networking and having those conversations to help you start understanding it. You know, uh, it's kind of that proximity principle. You start to become more like the people that you hang around. And so right. if you're interested in that, uh, find a local um, real estate investment meetup. Um, check out podcasts like this podcast or other podcasts that are great out there that can help your mind start thinking in that direction. And the power of the mind, when you're focusing on something, you can come up with creative ways to find uh, solutions to get started. And as you said, there's somebody that's walked a few steps ahead of you that you can always, um, you know, use their example of what's the path to follow. And I found yeah. people in the real estate world so far to be uh, pretty willing to share um, and yeah. and give advice on where they've walked through and kind of help you take that next step. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I like that a lot because and that's one thing that I focus on as I talk to my friends, my family, my investors stuff is, you know, really focus on that education piece and number one, building awareness so that they know what their options are, you know, whether it's a 1031, the HELOC, self-directed IRA, all those things. And then also trying to help them understand what like pros and cons of each one might be just because you can do it doesn't mean it's the right answer or the best situation for you, right? I mean, like if you look at uh, a HELOC, for example, like once you get to understand, and we don't have to go down the, the rabbit hole right now, but understand the structure of like a syndication and how the distributions work and all that kind of stuff, you know, it may, it may or may not align well with like when you have to pay your interest on the HELOC. And so if you're, if you have a really good W-2 and you can, and you can pay that interest, the sh short-term interest on that HELOC, you might do really well to invest that for a longer term growth. You know, that the difference in your HELOC interest rate and your return on the investment. But if you're dependent on the distributions to pay your interest, the timing of those distributions might not line up well with the HELOC, right? So understanding what options are available and then the pros and cons and, and is it right for your situation? Yeah. Yeah. It's great advice. So use some terms in there. I want to make sure people understand. You talked a little bit about passive investing and active investing. And you mentioned that you kind of started out on that passive side. Talk to us a little bit about the difference between passive and active and really how people can understand which is best for them. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing great about real estate investing in general is there is a, a large spectrum of different options to invest in that range from, from being very active to being very passive, right? And so a lot of times we think early on kind of a single family rental, you know, as, as real estate investing, and that's that's one option. And if you're kind of your own landlord and stuff that, you know, you're doing the day in uh, work, managing the tenant and stuff, that's fairly, fairly active. Um, you could be a little bit more passive if you have a property manager or something like that, but you're, you're still probably somewhat active in there. But uh, as, it, as it applies to, 
you know, multifamily and, and syndications, you know, the active investors uh, being the general partners, you know, we, we're doing like day in, day out. We're analyzing markets. We are building relationships with, with brokers or other sellers. Uh, we are underwriting and analyzing individual properties. We are working to educate investors to raise the capital to, to fund the deal. Uh, we are managing, you know, asset managing and working with the property managers to actually execute the business plan after closing. So it's, you know, it is a full-time job to do that. And on the passive side for syndications and stuff, you know, it's uh, the real work for them is to get educated enough to understand what, you know, the asset class is, uh, understand the, the investment and the potential risks, how we mitigate those risks and building relationships with the, the active partners, the active investors, general partners that are actually going to be the ones controlling the asset and, and managing it and to ensure that you, you trust them to, to invest with them. Right. And then once they've decided to invest in this particular deal with this particular team, they're fairly hands off, right? They don't have a lot of responsibility a day to day. And that can be a good fit for some, right? And so uh, I think when you're thinking about like, which one is right for me is a lot of my investors, about 75% of my investors are military. So some of them retired now, many of them still on active duty. Uh, some of them are in Japan, some are in Germany, right? And so when you think about it, they still have a full-time uh, military career day job. They might be deploying, uh, they're overseas. There's a lot of challenges with that and trying to, um, and Admittedly, I started being a general partner, living overseas and, and stuff as well. But uh, there are a lot of challenges being associated with that. Uh, and quite honestly, some of them don't. Maybe they don't have the interest to to learn, uh, you know, that depth of real estate, or perhaps they don't have the desire to invest that much time. Right? They want to protect their time for a family or for a hobby, whatever it might be. But they still want exposure to the real estate uh, as an investment. And so, you know, I think when we're looking at active or passive, which one's right for me, it's kind of, you know, we got to take a step back a little bit and look at what our, our personal and our family goals are. And, you know, like if, if I'm a, a doctor and I really love my W-2 or whatever job it is, maybe you don't want to walk away from your W-2. Maybe you don't want to give that up, you know, but you do want exposure to real estate. And so maybe passive investing is a, a great option. For me, as I was leading the military, I didn't want a nine to five, but I, you know, 21 years in the military, I had mission, I had purpose. And as I made that transition, I needed a new mission and a new purpose, right? And so active investing uh, was a good option for me because, you know, I can serve the residents and build community at the properties that we acquire. Um, I can serve my, my network, as I said, many of them being, being military and educate and bring these opportunities to them so that they can you know, have exposure to real estate without them spending that time to invest. And so we just kind of have to look at our personal, our family goals and kind of look at what's involved in, in either to help us determine that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really is important to define what success is for you individually. And then that helps dictate which is better for you. Uh, active or passive. And it can be a mix of both. You, you can be passive in, in some opportunities and active in other opportunities, regardless of if that's real estate or not. For most of our listeners, they're going to be familiar with maybe more stock market, um, you know, buying stocks or mutual funds. And so 
to kind of draw an analogy here, if you buy a stock or a mutual fund in a company, you are by definition, a passive investor. You're not involved in the day-to-day of that business, uh, but you've given them some money and then you own a partial ownership of that. And you're going to hopefully reap some benefits or returns as that value goes up or if, as they distribute dividends. On the active side, it's more of like you are the business owner um, and you are in the day-to-day. And so it, it, there's no right or wrong on either side of those things. It just more aligns with where success is for you. And I think often we can get caught up in a bandwagon of watching someone else and wanting to more emulate. And then you get into it and you realize, I don't enjoy that at all. I don't enjoy doing that thing. Why did I go down this road? Because I was chasing their definition of success as opposed to what success is for my life. So how do you uh, think about that concept of maybe defining success for yourself or redefining success? Because uh, I love that concept of redefining success because often success is defined for us, maybe that by social media or the world or people that we're chasing. But it is important when you think about these opportunities and where you want to invest that you define success for yourself. So what thoughts or recommendations do you have around how do you redefine success for yourself to help you establish where it is that you want to go? Yeah. So there's two things that come to my mind you know, right off the bat. One of them is, is kind of a numbers perspective, right? And so those of us that are you know, active general partners or, or even, you know, passive for that matter. Uh, sometimes we get wrapped up in this, like in a number, right? I want a thousand units or I want 500 units, or I want 10,000 a month cash flow, whatever number it is. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to, to coach in a seven figure multifamily and stuff. And when I, I see new members come in, one of the questions I always like to ask them when I say, you know, Hey, what's your goal? And they said, I want a thousand units. Why? And a lot of people have to stop and really think about that, right? It's because someone else has a thousand units or because someone else wanted a thousand units. So we really got to step back and ask like, why do we want this goal that we, we stated? And, you know, a lot of times with these numbers, we don't know, uh, as when you get to talking about like the structure of a syndication, you know, we don't own, none of us own 100% of those thousand units right? You, you might own 3% or 5% or 40% or whatever, but unless you really dig into it, you don't know what percent that person has of, of those units or their partners or what role they play and all of these things. Right. And so I think we have to understand the numbers better. If like, if we're chasing a monthly cash flow goal for, you know, to support our family or those reasons, then you have to dig in a little bit deeper. Okay what percent of what number of units are required for me to, to achieve that goal. Right. And so that's, that's kind of from a numbers perspective, you know, and so just throwing out a 500 or 750 or a thousand because you heard that, or it sounds good, or it's a nice round number is we really have to dig in and understand like, what is my cash flow goal to support my family and my hobbies, my lifestyle, and then what is required to, to achieve that on the flip side, kind of getting away from numbers a little bit is, you know, a lot of times we do just uh, human nature, I think, and, and the the world that we've grown up in, we define a success by uh, still numbers a little bit, I guess, from a, you know, someone's salary or, um, you know, maybe it is still the units or whatever that might be. And, you know, as I transitioned out of the military, one of the things that was really important to me was to prioritize 
you know, time with my family and to protect time on the calendar to do that. Right. So when we talk about like redefining success, you know, you, you kind of hit it the nail on the head there, but we took, you know, take someone else's goal and stuff. And so there might be someone that has a W2 that has a really high salary, or maybe there's someone out there that, you know, is a general partner on 3000 units, but they've, you know, kind of lost their wife and their kids along the way. Right. So is that success or is that not success? Uh, you know, or, and so when I look at that, it's like, what does success mean to each of us? Would I, would I want to give up that relationship with my wife or my kids for this larger number? Or do I desire to have a deeper relationship with the the important people in my life? Um, God, my wife, children that have, and have less units. Right. And so uh, that's, that's a different journey for each one of us. You know, it's a different story. Um, some of us may not have a, a wife or kids, and maybe it's something else. But I think we have to kind of take a step back from what is the material definition that we have grown up with about what success is, and and define redefine that for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, it's so great about. I, one of the things I, I like to talk about a lot is there are a couple of things that uh, we as humans will do naturally like we we can't help but do it and and sacrifice is one of those things like we have to make sacrifices in some areas we can't have it all and so we have to choose in our life what we will sacrifice and it's unfortunate when people chase something and then they're not counting the cost of the sacrifice and they look up 10 or 15 years later and they may have achieved that awesome thing that they wanted and then they look back and say, well, what are all the costs um, that are associated with that? And it may not turn out to be as valuable as they thought and yeah. not what they really wanted because they didn't take the time to really ask if that was success for them in a more holistic approach. It was just a number they were chasing or uh, or trying to make someone else proud or uh, trying yeah. to prove someone wrong. There are a lot of people that do that, but really thinking about um, your life as a whole and what does success mean for you and being okay. If everyone doesn't agree with your measure of success, that's totally okay. Yeah. As long as it's what's important for you. And then what are you willing to sacrifice to get there? Because you will sacrifice something you will sacrifice time or if being with family and, um, you know, having a, a relationship with God and your church and all those things are important for you, you're going to sacrifice some things on the other side to make sure that those things are taking top priority in your life. And that's totally okay. You will make a sacrifice. You just need to be intentional about the sacrifice yeah. that you are making. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, and you're exactly right. You know, whether it's, it's the health, the family, you know, whatever it is, there's going to be a sacrifice. And I think that one of the things that comes to my mind a lot is so often, particularly as entrepreneurs, uh, certainly in the W2 world and stuff like that, as you, you work up the corporate ladder a bit, we so often hear like, I'm doing it for my family, right? I'm doing this for my family. And as you said, when you, you get to that, whatever level in the corporate world or as an entrepreneur, our business gets to a certain point, it's like, well, now my kids are grown and out of the house. Is I really doing it for them, right? And, and that's one of the reasons too, like right now, as I go through this journey, I try to, you know, I, I do spend a lot of time on a computer uh, or on a phone, you know, with investors or, you know, we're not in the geographic area of some of our real estate and things like that. And so I try to do that kind of stuff when my kids are out of the house and at school. And so that I can protect the time on the calendar a little bit more when they are home in the morning or when they get home from school at night. And as I go through this journey, I do try to share because they do see me on the computer or on the phone once in a while. And 
I tried to share with them some of the impact, right? Like, so I, I took them to some of our properties in Tulsa. I showed them some of the people that are on our payroll that, you know, we provide jobs for, talk about the homes that we're providing for the residents and things like that. So that, so that they can see some of that, because if I'm sitting behind a computer, like they, they want my time, mm. right? They, they don't care what I'm doing. All they see is daddy sitting behind a computer. And so I do try to protect that time and, and spend with them, but I want them to understand that, Hey, when I am on the computer, it is because I'm trying to, you know, uh, have this impact in, in these ways. Right. Awesome. Well, as we, as we get close to wrapping up here, I want to ask what piece of advice would you leave for someone that's out there? Maybe they haven't got it started at all with either the active or the passive side. And, you know, it's difficult as you're starting something new and that new journey and figuring out, is this something I want to do? Maybe they've been researching some, what advice would you give to that investor that's just starting to look at how do I take where my goals are for the future, what that success is that I want in the future and start aligning my assets to achieve that for me? What would be your advice for them to, uh, to get started as you did several years ago when you were making that transition from the military? Yeah, I think that probably one of the best things you could do is just like reach out and talk to someone like yourself, Josh, or, or me, and let people know kind of what your situation is and just have a conversation, right? There's, there's a lot of education, whether it's, it's books, you know, podcasts, different things like that. Uh, some people, if you're not, you might not, you know, some of those passive investors might not be super interested as we talked about earlier in understanding all of the stuff about real estate. And so it might be really hard for them to sit down and read a book about it or, might be really hard for them to listen to a podcast perhaps, but just reach out and have a conversation. And like, even if you're, you're in your head, you're thinking, well, I'm not ready yet. Right. Like I don't have the money in the bank. Maybe you don't own any investment properties that you could have a line of credit. You don't have an IRA yet. doesn't matter. Just reach out and have a conversation. And that way you can start talking about what, what it is, what different options are, as you said, so that they can, you can start aligning the assets for, for the future. And at least that way you kind of know what your options are uh, you know, to do that. And I even tell people with like some of our webinars and stuff, like if you're not ready to invest today, just like come to some of our webinars, listen in to get educated. You'll hear other investors questions. They'll have questions that you didn't even know to think to ask yet. Uh, and, and that way, by the time you are ready financially or in, in your life, you kind of already have, you're, you're comfortable to make that investment and you're not trying to answer all those questions in the very end. So just, yeah, just reach out, have a conversation. Doesn't mean you have to invest next month or six months from now, but you just start that education journey. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love that because uh, that's exactly what we try to do at uh, the legacy investment team. I want to talk to people and there are, there are plenty of people that after we have a conversation um, and I can give them some advice or a person to talk to when it comes to how they're currently investing today that may not be a resource that's even in the real estate world. It's another resource that mm -hmm. aligns best for what they're trying to achieve in the future. Um, but we love having those conversations and helping people. That's our goal. And, you know, you're, you kind of have it in your long legacy capital, like building a legacy that's for our children's children, you know, something that's yeah. going to outlast us, but it takes a lot of intentionality and conversations and, um, 
And having those sooner rather than later can get those wheels starting in the right direction and just give you exposure to those opportunities. Yeah, and I I love that as well. I talk about like providing other resources for people as well. And one example that I give quite a bit is, you know, with a lot of my military investors, like sometimes, you know, one will reach out and they say like, hey, I had this couple hundred thousand, you know, in an account or whatever. But I really want to use that when I, I move in two years or three years, right? Because uh, we're moving quite a bit from state to state or country to country. And so in that case, like a syndication is not a good option for that money, right? It's going to be locked up longer than that. And so I think, you know, having kind of a fiduciary mindset and their best interest in mind, like hey, my opportunity is not the right one for you in that situation, but hey, maybe I can give you some other options. I might even be able to make some connections um, to find you an option, you know, short-term private lending or something like that, where you can get a better return on your money than you are currently, but it's not locked up when you, when you're going to need it. So I, I love, I love that. Yeah. Well, Marcus, I want to thank you so much today for jumping on and, and chatting with us for a few minutes. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your wealth of knowledge um, for our audience out there. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hope you have a good day, man. You as well. Thank you for joining us today for the Legacy Investment Team podcast. If there are subjects you'd like to hear us talk about in the future, please send us an email at podcast at legacyinvestmentteam.com and check out our website at legacyinvestmentteam.com. We hope you'll join us again in the future.